Hello, HR professionals. Good news. This episode of the Cool Leaf podcast is valid for 0.5 professional development credits towards SHRM CP, SHRM SCP, and HRCI recertification. Stay tuned to access your certification code. Welcome to The Great Retention, a show spotlighting executive leaders who are building award-winning cultures where people feel empowered, seen, and recognized. I'm your host, John Duesberg, and I co-founded my own company and this podcast with the simple idea that life is short, so why not love the people with whom you work? We have a passion for helping people-first leaders like you connect individuals and teams inside of your organization to create stronger workplace communities and cultures. So whether you're leading a small business or a large enterprise, fully distributed or in the office, welcome to our community here at The Great Retention. How does Jackson Healthcare, a multi-billion dollar giant, juggle remote work and cater to thousands of people in a multi-generational workforce across the country? Our guest today, Shane Jackson, president of Jackson Healthcare, has unlocked some of the most pressing questions of our modern age as an expert who literally wrote the book called Fostering Culture. From the art of balancing work environments to the magic of leading with intention, Shane's insights from the conversation you're about to hear promise to leave you both enlightened and equipped. Prepare to dive into stories that transcend business jargon and touch the human side of leadership. Because today it's not just about growing a business, it's about building legacies that last. So grab your notepads, maybe even a cup of coffee, and get ready to be truly inspired. Let's dive in. Shane, thank you so much for joining us on The Great Retention. I'm honored to be here at Jackson Healthcare headquarters right here in Atlanta, but thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, so our audience is full of people-first, purpose-driven leaders. Um, I'm so excited to just dig in and learn from all your experiences. I know that um, you know, the, the topic of culture is very important for you and for the organization. You wrote a book about fostering culture, so very, very excited. Um, but for our audience, um, give us a little bit of context about, about Jackson Healthcare first, right? So size of the organization, the business, you know, what does this look like today from a leadership scope? So as our name implies, Jackson Healthcare, we're in the business of healthcare. So everything that we do is around taking care of patients, making sure that there is a care provider there in the place and in the time where uh, the patient needs them. And so we do that through a number of ways. Biggest part of what we do is through staffing. And so we uh, have doctors and nurses and therapists and anybody that provides patient care uh, that works for us, but they work uh, all around the country in different kind of care settings on a temporary basis, sometimes on a, a permanent uh, basis where we kind of outsource uh, different care functions for uh, different facilities. Uh, we also have a, a pretty big part of our business, this technology, providing technology for hospitals and other care settings to really optimize the way that they uh, use their uh, personal resources to take care of patients. We do telemedicine, kind of, kind of all of that, but it's it's all centered around making sure doctors are and and uh, nurses and others are in the right place to take care of patients. In terms of just the scope of our business, um, we uh, from the kind of associate count, we we have two groups that that we uh, really look at that. One is our internal associates. So these are all the people that are 
really behind the scenes, kind of making everything happen. And we're actually approaching about 3,000 of our internal associates. Uh, about half of those are based here out of our Alpharetta office just outside of Atlanta. Uh, another good number based in Central Florida. Uh, and then a few other small offices around the country and a, a growing number of uh, people working remotely out of, out of their home, which we can talk about. And then we also have our all our doctors and nurses and, and other caregivers. Uh, and I actually don't know that number, but it's in the tens of thousands. And as I said, it's they're spread all over the country in all 50 states. Got it. Got it. Okay. So around 3,000 internal associates are, are, are approached to that. A couple locations. Obviously, now we got folks working remote and hybrid. Um, so so let's let's dive into a little bit about culture. Um, I know this is really important to you from a leadership perspective. So tell us a little bit about what does culture mean at, at Jackson Healthcare? You know, what does this mean to the 3,000 associates internally, right? And potentially even uh, to the, the professionals that you're, you're placing as well. But give us a little bit of, of what that looks like to you as a leader, but also here at Jackson Healthcare. Sure. And as you mentioned, I wrote a book on this. So I'll try to give you the really short <laughs> version and not the whole book okay. version. But uh, very simply, so my definition of culture, like what is culture, is that it's simply the atmosphere that results from all the decisions that a group makes. It's, so you know, every group's trying to accomplish something, and they're going to figure out how they're going to do it. It's like, well, we're going to do this, or we're not going to do that. Right? And, and, and you're talking about culture when you say things like, oh, we would never do that here. Right? Or, well, let me show you how we do that. Right? And so you know, every group, team, company, business, whatever, they have to answer essentially the same questions, like what are we trying to do and how are we going to do it? But they all, they all answer them differently, right? You know, two businesses in the same industry, they function very differently. Two families, the way that they do things are very differently, right? And so, and so all of that comes from uh, these just set of core values and beliefs that the people in the group have. And all of that kind of rolls up into what I just call the atmosphere. It's like, what does it feel like to be part of this group based on the way we do things? Does it feel liberating and freeing? Does it feel empowering? Does it, uh, th does it make you feel uh, oppressed or restricted? Or like, you know, what, what is that? And it's just based on how, how we behave. And so, you know, for us here, understanding that all those decisions are based on uh, the group's values, these, these things that we hold really dear to us that really impact our behavior is just making sure there's great clarity on what that is here so that people understand how to behave and, uh, and more importantly, why. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I love the idea of all these decisions are being driven based on values that create this atmosphere, right? And when when I drove into the campus, beautiful campus, I was welcomed. The parking garage was just a, a right next to where I'm going, so it was very welcoming. So I feel that atmosphere right from the beginning, which um, which is um, you know I'm delighted. Um, so I love that you know in terms of just my own personal experience, but. What my question here is like, so when you're bringing on, you know, now thousands of internal associates, um, how do you pass down those values? How do they, how do those values come to life, right? If I'm coming in, I'm out of school, I'm, you know, this may be my first career job, you know, professional opportunity. How do I start to understand what those values mean to me? Well, I, I think, first of all, 
One of the things we try to do in terms of, you know, your last question of how, how do we, how do I understand what those values means to me, yeah. is that the first thing that we're trying to help people understand is if there's alignment, right? So, and, and when I say alignment, alignment between the organization's values, the, the team's values, and my personal values, which implies that you have to know two things. First of all, you have to have great clarity on what the organization's team values are. And so we have really spent a lot of time trying to distill all these values, beliefs, and everything into something that's really clear to understand. And one of my goals, even in our talent acquisition process, is that I want people to just go in for our website or you know, through the application process before they even apply here to know this is what this company is about, right? And so, and so they know that like, not only is this what this company is about, but they're pretty serious about it. So if that doesn't resonate with me, like I don't even wanna apply there, right? And so you only get people selecting into the process if they have uh, some kind of real core connection with the values. But the second thing that it requires is that I know what my values are, right? I have to not only understand what, what this group, you know, what, what their values and beliefs are, I have to know what mine are in order to know if there's, if there's a connection. And what I've found is that most people don't know. If you ask someone, like, you know, what are your values? I mean, they'll tell you, they'll come up with something. They'll probably tell you what they think you want to hear, you know, but, but, and it's, it's just simply because most of us don't think deeply enough or as often or what we just don't ask ourselves that question like well what are those things that really really drive me what are those those things that are just non-negotiable to me that I'm not willing to to um, change like what you know and so one of the things that we try to do as soon as people get here is help them go through a process to understand what are those core values for them so if they've never thought about it before, they can immediately, as soon as they get here, say like, I know what this group's about, is that what I'm about? And then if you can, you can make that connection, then you get a group of people who are really in sync about the most important things in their life and how they view all those decisions about what do we do and what do we not do. And when you get that, then you get a lot of, a lot of power. I love, uh, so, so two things uh, that, that I wanna dig into just a little bit further, one is, because I feel like as a leader, it's my responsibility to create clarity, right? And, and if you don't have clarity, then it kind of washes out all of the speak around values, you know, and, and it just creates ambiguity. Um, and then also, you know, I'd love to learn a little bit more about how do you help kind of shepherd or facilitate these new folks coming into the organization to kind of have that self-discovery. I would love to hear a little bit what that, that looks like too. But so one is, how do you create that clarity? You know, are there any examples, any, any, anything that you can share there? And then how do, how do employees themselves or associates themselves, how do they have that discovery for their own values? So the, the first part of this is how do you create the clarity? This was actually the genesis of my book and why it was okay. written. I, I, I actually didn't write the book for external I never really kind of thought it would be published outside the company. The okay. whole purpose I wrote it was for our leaders so that they could really clearly understand what those core values and beliefs were of our organization uh, so that they understood what what to do, yep. basically, right? And, 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 you know, and then kind of after we put it together, some people said, hey, you know, this might be valuable. Others outside the, comp the company said, great, like, you know, yeah. put it on Amazon, that. then that's fine. 
Um, but so that was the that was the the genesis of uh, how we started this. And so every leader that comes in an organization, they get a copy of the book. And we're like, you know, homework assignment before you start. Like you got to read this because it's going to really um, determine what we expect of you as a leader. Leaders have an outsized influence on culture, right? And so, you know, if culture is like kind of how we do things, things we don't do, leaders get to determine what, um, what actions, uh, what behaviors are rewarded, which ones are punished, which ones are recognized, like all of that. And so as a leader, you get to really influence the way that the team does things, which is, is gonna drive the culture. And so we want to create clarity on that. The next part of that, then after having that, was saying, okay, now we've got to rethink the way we do training, the way we do development, and all of that, so that we view that through the lens of our core values and beliefs, right? So it's not simply, you know, we're training you on, uh, you know, how you deal with customers in this, from this perspective. It's not merely on, you know, as a, as a leader or manager or organization, how are you handling uh, you know, talent review, how are you handling uh, development, like all that sort of thing. Yeah. It's through the lens of our values, now how do, you, how do you apply those in this situation? And so this, and this is an ongoing thing for us. I just had a meeting literally last week with all our uh, uh, heads of, of HR and we were talking about this. Like how do we get better at, from all the way talent acquisition, orientation, training, uh, leadership development all the way through how do we take the next step and how we're we're applying that uh, through everything that we do so that we're exposing people at the right time based on their context within the organization of how we apply those things so we get better and better. Yeah, I can I can um, absolutely see how intentional um, you as a leader, but also as an organization, you are about um, the trainings and everything through the lens of, of the values. And I, and I love it. Um, where my head's going is, how do you do that in a remote setting? Yeah. Right? How do you do that when people aren't maybe face-to-face -face in that training and having that one-on-one, -on -one, right? And so, so as we've navigated the last couple of years in this, uh, you know, um, kind of hybrid remote world, are there challenges that you've experienced? Are there ways that you've kind of navigated? And um, are there any lessons learned that you can share? You know, because I know a lot of leaders, this is a challenge, right? And this is something that they're, they're kind of learning through and, you know, working as we go here. It's absolutely a challenge, and I think all of us are still learning. Yeah. Uh, you know how, how exactly how this is is going to work, and you know one of the things I've been saying this for a couple of years now, but uh, everyone came out of 2020 and the lockdowns and all that, saying like, "Wow, I really learned that there's a lot more we can do remotely than I thought." Right? I think everyone had, yeah. but I, I think you know at least for us, a lot of people, I think a lot of other people also said, "Wow." we really learned or maybe relearned or had reaffirmed the value of being together. Yeah. And, and I think it's made clear, certainly to us, and I think a lot of leaders, that yes, there are some things that we can do remotely and there are even some advantages uh, in certain situations to, to being able to do that. But it is made abundantly clear that there are just things that happen when you are in physical proximity to each other that just frankly can't be replaced. 
And you know, we had even prior to 2020, uh, some of our, our, our businesses, especially some of our smaller businesses, were fully remote. Like, didn't have an office. Everybody worked around the country out of their, their home. And so that wasn't really new to us. Um, and, and since uh, COVID and since 2020, we've had some more of our businesses that have gone at least primarily remote. But what I've seen is that even in our businesses that were fully remote, they have actually, uh, over the last couple of years, started incorporating more time together. Whereas before they may just you know, be remote all the time, they've now said, hey, we need to be together like at least quarterly, where everyone's in the same room, wherever, you know, and that sort of thing. And so you know, I do think that for a lot of organizations, hybrid, is 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 where this is going to go? Where we're going to say like, yeah, it, there there certainly is great reasons to you know allow people to have the the, the flexibility, the the ability to focus, maybe you know, kind of in in distributed uh, environment, remote environment. But we've got to also make sure that we have the opportunity to put people together, and that we're intentional about that and in, in the way that we we do it. Because there is a, there's just so much that can't be replicated. And to your point, including making sure people understand, like, this is how we do things and why we do things. I mean, you know, if you think about, I, I don't know if it's this way for you. I know it certainly was for me. Most of what I learned about business, but certainly when I was early in my career about how to do my job and all that, I, I didn't learn from like a formal training I learned because I got to sit and hear somebody else do it. You know, I mean, the person like across the cube, you know, I hear them say something on the phone to somebody and go like, oh, that, like, that makes sense. Or sitting in the meeting where I'm not really contributing, but I get to hear kind of other people yep. do that, you know, and then it's the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting, like walking out going the like, elevator hey, ride yeah, up. like, yeah. hey, can you tell me like, why did you do yeah. that? You know, whatever. And uh, I, I was thinking about this um, actually the other day. Um, I don't do this as, as, as much now, but when I was running um, our, one of our operating companies before I moved into my, my corporate role, I had a goal that every day at least, excuse me, every week at least three times a week, I would spend lunch with someone, okay. right? So I, I, I almost never ate lunch by myself. And it was purely because of just the value of that informal time of just being able to sit down with somebody across a meal and go, hey, tell me what's going on, right? And that is, I mean, so much training, so much happens there. And it's, and it's maybe not impossible, but it's difficult to do remotely. And so in, in terms of what are we telling people, we're just like with our leaders who are saying, who are working with people that are either entirely or largely remote, you just have to be so much more intentional about how often and how you're communicating with the people because you have lost the benefit of that serendipitous time. Yep, the before and after. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and previously you'd shared that for for new hires. So I know that I hear a lot of associates. They may be coming out of school, right? You know, maybe younger demographic. They're actually in person for the first week, two weeks. So tell us a little bit about that, the thought process around that. What's your experience been? 
Yeah, I mean, so for our, our largest uh, companies um, are, have been pretty consistent on this because they hire a lot of uh, just people real early in their career, maybe right out of college, year or two out of college. And, um, you know, kind of depend on the role, but they, they've said like, hey, if you're in one of these entry level positions, maybe for six months or a year or, you know, kind of depending on the position, how long, we want you here five days a week. Okay. And, and it's just a lot of this because, you know, we just said, we just recognize, especially early on in your career, you're learning not only how to do your job, you're learning how to be a professional, you're also, you're building your network and which is really hard to do remotely. Um, and uh, it was funny, we were talking about this before we started filming. I, literally, I'm on the elevator riding up this morning and, uh, and I'm on the elevator with like, I think it's like five or six other of our very young uh, uh, associates, much, much younger than me. And I'm kind of sitting in the back of the elevator and the conversation the whole way up is, where are we all going for happy hour today? <laughs> and I was so happy to hear it. Yeah. I was like, you know, because when I was 22 or 23 and, you know, knew my job, whatever, that's what I was talking about on Fridays, too. Right. And, you know, the funny thing about that is that I, I just got a call like a week ago from someone that I worked with and similar entry level position when we were 22. Yeah. And we would go to happy hours together on Friday. We didn't work directly together, but like, like you know, he was kind of in the group. And it's just somebody I got to know as part of my professional network. He called me like a week ago. He actually works for a competitor now, and he's calling me about a business issue, something that's going on, right? It's just, you know, those types of environments allow you to build your network, and as a young professional, like, you need that, right? And the amazing thing is, is that we get surprisingly little pushback from uh, the, the young people who are, who are coming in. Like, they just, they kind of crave it. And then once we get going, it's like, hey, you know, if you're making a decision, you want to or from home a day a week or two days a week or whatever. Like, you know, we want to, we want to be able to provide that kind of flexibility. Uh, but when we first start, man, I just think it's, it's valuable to try to be in person as much as you can so that you can just learn and soak up from those around yeah. you. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I love that story, right? The connection, <laughs> yeah. the relationships, the network, right? That, that's something that I, I think, I mean, it's super valuable. Right to build that network, and and I might not because I'm in a different frame of mind. I might not be thinking about that, but if I'm you know early in my career, yeah, absolutely, I value that and I want that. So um, this is this is great. So um, a couple more questions, but um, we've talked a little bit about you know you know what's the experiences now, maybe how it's been the last couple of years. Now let's look forward, right? So as you're looking you know through to, towards the next year. What are some of the things from an employee experience perspective that may be top of mind or a priority uh, for you and here at Jackson Healthcare? Is there any kind of um, kind of looking forward uh, things that that you think that the organization would be focused on? Well, we're like, we're always focused on what we call associate experience, and so our our, our number one value is others first. Just simply thinking about the needs of someone else before your own, and and so we're constantly thinking about how do we apply that to all of our stakeholders. And, and uh, very important among that is our associates, those people who work for us. And I love what you said earlier about how when you drove on campus, yeah. you felt that from the way you were welcomed and all that, which is, you know, because like our entire campus design and everything we do is through that lens of, well, if you're a visitor, if you're a guest, like, 
if I was a guest here, how would I want to be welcomed? How would I want to feel, right? What's the other first way of thinking about that, right? And so it, 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 it's everything that we do. And so we're always thinking about that from a, we call an associate experience standpoint, from the time that you apply to get a job here, interview through training and all, then hopefully many, many years from now retire. Like how do we, how do we think about what's best for that individual uh, over the, the course of that? And we have you know, lots of things that we're always trying to do uh, to get better at that. But you know, I, I think for, for all leaders at this point, and, and this is something that we really try to talk about a lot internally as well, um, I, I think we have to recognize that you know, leading in another's first way, I think has always been the right thing to do. But I think based on where we are, frankly, just demographically, it's becoming a required thing to do. Um, you know, the, the leadership lessons that I was taught in business school, those philosophies and, and management styles and all of that, were primarily developed during an industrial era, right? It, it was developed in a, um, in, a, in a landscape where the vast majority of people who were working had very few choices as to where they could work, right? I mean, if you lived in the town that had the mill or the manufacturer, like that's where you went to work, right? And if you didn't do what the boss tell you and you get fired, like you're in real trouble. Um, and, and, you know, so, and even among like professionals, like it was just the, the, the businesses had such power and, and people, workers had very little mobility. That's shifted throughout most of the workforce, in, at least in the United States. Yeah. I mean. Maybe uh, in the world. And, and, yeah. yeah. And probably in the world as well. Yeah. Working remote, right? Yeah. I mean, I can work anywhere. That's right. I mean, yeah. think about that, right? So first of all, there's so much demand for talent right now. And, you know, and even this year when, when, you know, a lot of the tech companies and the layoffs and all that sort of thing, I mean, unemployment in the United States is still like three and a half percent. I mean, that's historically ridiculously low number. And especially for, you know, specialized professionals, I mean, there's so much demand. And to your point, if you're thinking about someone's working remotely, what's the switching cost to change jobs? I mean, now, tomorrow, I just got to log into a new, you know, like network. Right. Like, I mean, right. nothing has changed. And so, as a leader, our mindset has to completely change to, like, these people have to do what I tell them or else, to I have to serve these people, otherwise they're not going to choose to follow me. And so, like, and I have a chapter in my book on this, but one of the things that we talk about here is that uh, our associates, our employees, our volunteers, and leaders are stewards, meaning certainly you're paying the people that work for you. So not volunteer from that perspective, but they are voluntarily choosing to wake up this morning and, and come work here, right? They have choices. They, they could go other places. They're choosing to come here. And what they're really choosing to do, if you think about it as a leader, is say, hey, I'm going to voluntarily work for you, which means I'm going to put my time, my energy, uh, my, uh, sometimes my emotions, my confidence, my career, like all of it, I'm putting in your hands. I'm going to allow you to direct me to tell me what to do because I trust that you're going to do it in a way that's in my best interest and hopefully the best interest of others as well, which as a, as a leader, as a manager, 
is an incredible responsibility. That's why I say leaders are stewards over these, these things that the people that they're leading have put in their care. And, you know, look, I think it's obviously a very wise way to, to, to lead, but I think that just the demographics of what are happening in our country and the way that work functions today is a requirement. And so in terms of what's, you know, what's coming in the future, I think all leaders are going to have to be just really focused on how do I do what's in the best interest of the people that I'm leading? Otherwise, they're not going to have anyone left to lead. And then you're not going to be able to run your business. That's right. Right? So it all comes down to actual business performance yep. if you right. can't attract and keep yep. the best people. Yep. So yep. love this perspective, Shane. Um, this has been wonderful. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing this knowledge and just all the experiences, um, lessons from the book as well. Yeah. So, um, so as we wrap up today uh, for our audience, one of the things that we always like to do is just leave uh, leave them with a you know an actionable next step or a practical piece of advice that hopefully they can leaders can take and apply to their own teams and organizations whether they're remote hybrid all around the world or all in the office together um, so anything come to mind as what would what would be that 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 insight that you may be able to share with our audience today you know so one of the phrases that I really like and I think this is kind of a easy thing that any leader can start applying immediately um, but one of the phrases I really like is, let me tell you why I did that, right? And so if you, if you think about, um, you know, like from a training perspective, a development perspective, um, you can teach people what to do, but if they don't understand why they do it that way, when the circumstances change or they're faced with something, you know, kind of new, new context or whatever, they're not going to know what they need to do in that situation. If they understand the philosophy behind it, the belief behind it, the, you know, the strategy behind it, then they can take that and they can apply it across a lot of different situations. And as, and as organizations, that's what we want. Like we want people who, we don't have to monitor everything they do because they just get it. They know what we're trying to accomplish the way we think things ought to be done. And so they can go handle that. From a culture perspective, this is an incredibly powerful phrase. And so for, for leaders, I, this is just something I encourage them all the time. When you're in a meeting, when, you know, you're making the decision, when you, you know, kind of whatever is, whether it's with a team or somebody that you're training, developing, is don't just say like, okay, you know, hey, I'm the leader, I'm making the call, this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, after the meeting say, hey, let me tell you why I just did that. You know, because this happened, I've learned this, this is the way I think about that. And it helps give people just that context of understanding of kind of those real kind of core beliefs behind and helps them uh, become better at what they do and strengthens your culture as well. The why, the why yep. behind why we do the things we do. I yep. love it. Yep. Um, Shane Jackson, the president of Jackson Healthcare, thank you so much again for joining us on The Great Retention and uh, just appreciate your leadership and um, all the insights that you shared with us today. That's great to be here. Thanks, man. That wraps up another edition of The Great Retention. Thank you for joining us and being a leader who genuinely cares about recognizing and empowering the everyday hero and the team members around you. We are proud to support your leadership journey and grateful for your support of this podcast. If you haven't already, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. This helps us get this content in front of more aspiring people first business leaders. If you'd like more perspectives on how to create exceptional cultures around award-winning talent, 
Go to coolleaf.com and sign up for our newsletter to get them straight into your inbox two times per month. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat With Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening. Now go be people first leaders by celebrating and connecting your people today. HR professionals, thanks for listening. As promised, this episode of the Cool Leaf podcast is valid for 0.5 professional development credits towards SHRM CP, SHRM SCP, and HRCI recertification. To claim your SHRM credit, please visit www.coolleaf.com slash podcast slash SHRM. To claim your HRCI credit, please visit www.coolleaf.com slash podcast slash HRCI. Complete the three-question form to receive your certification code. That's coolleaf.com slash podcast slash SHRM and coolleaf.com slash podcast slash HRCI.